You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. You all could be seated. And the kids can be dismissed to their classes. Sorry, Kelly. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Before we kind of jump into this, and I have six hours worth of stuff to say and about two hours to do it in. Just kidding. It's a joke. Uh, for those of you who are like new here, uh, newly connected, kind of know us a little bit, but don't know, like, you're in the room right now, but you feel like everyone else is, like, in, but you feel like you're, like, out, and you're like, man, it would be cool if I, like, knew somebody other than that person that just shakes my hand every week, and it's kind of whatever. We see you, and if you want to hang out today after gathering for, like, 30-ish minutes, we would love to, like, help you get connected a little bit. So if you're like, I'm new here, and I want to figure out what it looks like to legitimately live life together with this church community. We see you. Hang out with us. If you go to the coffee bar, turn left. Right after gathering, like right when the benediction happens today, hang out. It won't be too long. We'll share a little bit about who we are and then just listen. want to answer any questions that you might have and talk about kind of some next steps on how to get connected, however you would like to do that. So <clears throat> that's that. Uh, would you pray with me? God, thanks for the gift of song and truth and, and the work of Jesus and all of the things and all the things that are happening even right now back in Kville and your words going forth in, in cool ways. Would you just let us be built up today? Uh, if we were downcast, would you, would you let us be encouraged? God, if, if we feel like we can't do what it is that you're inviting us into, would you equip us today by your word? We, we love you. We, we need you. Would you show us who you are to us, and how we get to live this life together. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you my mother? It's not a question. It's a children's book, and you may be familiar with that. It's called, Are You My Mother? And it's about a bird who's trying to find his mother. And what happened was, he was in the egg, in the nest, and the, the mama bird flies away, and she's like, this egg's going to hatch soon, so I need to get food and bring it back, but the egg hatches while mother's gone, and so he breaks out of the little egg, and, and he just goes on a journey, and he's like, I know I have a mom, like, who is she? And he goes to like a, 
a kitten and a dog and a hen and a car and a plane and a boat and finally a crane. No spoilers, I know. But, uh, and he just asked this question. He says, are you my mother? And some of them just kind of ignore him and blow him off and like, you're insignificant child, I don't know, whatever. And some of them are like, no, not quite, you know. Uh, and, and finally, uh, well, I won't, I won't even tell you what finally happens. But he's on this journey to find his mother. And so that little, that little bird, he may have 1,000 relationships in his little bird life. But he wants this one relationship defined. Who is it that is my mother? Who is it that would say to me, you are my son and I'm your mom? And so the, the whole book is a little journey about that. And, and who is the one that looks at me and loves me and cares for me no matter what? That's what the bird is looking for. And, and in that little story, we see a, a window in, a window into our hearts, whether it's a friend or a, a team or an employer or a parent or a significant other or whatever. One thing we all want is clarity that defines the status of our relationship with that other person. It's why kids, like in second grade, will just go up to another kid and be like, hey, we just met. Will you be my best friend? And there's like some sweet, naive stuff that I wish adults weren't so jaded by that. That's beautiful. Hey, will you, will you be my friend? Will you be my best friend? Will you be my boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever? Because they're just like, I don't know how this works, and I'm trying to figure this out, and I'm not very mature because I'm in second grade, but, but I want to know the status of our relationship. Like, will you tell me that you're going to be there for me when things are tough? It's not what the second grader's thinking, but I, I think it really is what they're thinking. Like, can we do this together? It's, it's why when you, you try out for a team, you want to see, like, your name on the roster. And, like, what number am I? And you just can't wait to get the jersey and put it on because, like, look, I'm part of this. Like, we have a defined relationship. I'm not just, like, someone who watches them, but I'm, I'm part of the team. Or you, you go to a job interview and you want the callback saying, all right, our relationship has changed. You were a stranger, but now you are part of this whatever it is. It's why, look, I'm not naive enough to know that all mothers are great. They're not. I get that. Some of them are, are not there, and so I'm not making any of those assumptions. But, but in the idealized version of this, there is a parent that looks a certain way and a child that looks a certain way. But it's why children look to their parents and they say, like, do you love me or am I an inconvenience to you? Like, that's tough, right? But really, it's about defining the relationship or, or are we a thing? Like, I don't know, we're just hanging out, we're friends and like, are we a thing or not? And it's like, you know, like you should have put a ring on it or whatever, you know, because what that does all that is, it's just defining a relationship in a really significant way. Like, what is the status of you and I? And are we committed or are we, are we not? See, we want to know the nature of things between us and, and anyone else because it's, it's hard and it's painful, period. But it's, it's really difficult and painful to walk in the unknown. This is why, as a church, we have church membership, and, and we can make light of that and say, oh, we're just defining the relationship. But that's exactly what we're doing. Because here's the thing. The elders of the local church, as described and prescribed in the scriptures, have a responsibility to shepherd the flock among us. And you know what that means? Well, that doesn't mean that I have a responsibility to, to pastor and shepherd every Christian on the planet or in this country or in this state or in this city or that walks through those doors and sits here. Because I, I don't know you. We have not defined our relationship in such a way that would, that would let us know one another and make me responsible to define the relationship. And so we say, ah, local church membership, a lot more in that. But all that is is saying, hey, this is what we're committing to you. This is what you're committing to us. And this is what this will look like together. That's why Mark Zuckerberg had the, the idea of posting a public relationship 
status in the very early days of Facebook, when he was, when he was uh, inventing or adapting Facebook? <laughs> because he sat in a bar and he looked across and he said, I wonder if that person is like single or there was someone else? Because I would like to know their relationship status. So, ah, and he runs to his dorm room and he types the code so that you might put the relationship status on the front end so that when you find their profile, you know right away the status of their relationship with someone else. And it's why Jesus came to make things clear. Jesus came to define our relationship with God. The reality is it's tough to know where things stand between God and us. And in this world, the culture around us, God is portrayed so many ways that if you don't know where to find truth, if you never sought to know him in this book, then you, you don't know what God is like. You don't know what's true. And so, so we're, we're kind of like uh, exploring a relationship with God like, like, are we good? Like, are you some stoic, uh, law-driven genie that zaps people with a scepter? Is that, is, that, is that like the status of our relationship? Or are you just this all-compassionate, grace, love, anything goes, it's all good? Is that, is that how we are? Jesus came to make things known in a way that had not been known prior to that. This is the revelation of God. And it happened throughout time. And, uh, and, and as we're kind of walking through John together, it's an, it's an unfolding of kind of just a sliver, the gospel of John, just a sliver of the, the unfolding revelation of God. In fact, the, the writer of Hebrews says it this way, long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, Jesus. So, so he's further revealing to us the fullness of God, the true nature of who he is and what we find out. See, what's going on here is, is if we know Jesus, then we know God. That's what he keeps telling us over and over again. So what is the nature of our relationship? In this context, he's been telling his disciples, hey, I'm, I'm going to be leaving soon. And they're like, great, let me grab my things. And he's like, no, it's not like that. Like where I'm going, you can't go. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, sure, I, sure we can. Because like we're in this together. And he's like, no, you can't go where I'm going. And they're like, I just... I don't understand. He's, he's leaving soon, and there's uncertainty for, for the disciples. They don't understand what's going on. We thought that you were with us till the end. And it turns out, I don't know what our relationship is like. We thought it was a certain way, and, and, and what we find is that the foundation of relationship with Jesus, for them and for us, it isn't religion. It isn't rigid law-keeping. It isn't some awkward unknown between us and God. It isn't just primarily fear. It isn't just some flippant, cavalier, Jesus is my homeboy, either. What we find out is that the, the definitive status of our relationship is built on love. It's always been that way. Let me read some scripture just to kind of set this up before we get into this text. We'll put the list on the screen, and I'll just read really quickly. I'm already behind. Maybe we can get some lunch catered in and I'll just keep talking. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the iPad tablet of your heart. Above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 1 Corinthians 13, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, you're thinking, wow, that's a, a, literally a superpower. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, I can, I can tell a mountain to jump into the sea. You think, what else would I need? But, but if I have not love, I am nothing. Later on, Paul in 1 Corinthians, let all that you do be done in love. Above all, keep 
loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. First Peter. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Romans. First John. So we believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God in him. It's this unity that just like, what is even being said here? And what I don't know, but it seems like love is the glue that makes all of these things true. And we see this in 1 John. We love because he first loved us. Maybe the most significant concept in the way that you try to live a life in Christ is this reality. You're not in search to, to get him to love you, but we get to live a life of love in response to his love initiated to us. So big idea, even when things seem uncertain, we see that in the life of the disciples, maybe you see that in your own life today, love still defines our relationship with Jesus. Right? Even when things seem uncertain, love still defines our relationship with Jesus. So in John 13, just prior to this, we read, They will know me, they will know the Father, and they will know our glory by the way that you have love for one another. So we put all those things together, and what we see is, is it turns out that love matters. But, but love isn't just some, in terms of what Jesus is saying, it's not just some airy, valentiny, although tis the season, right? It's not just some, some airy, valentiny, light feeling, but it's a love that carries weight and substance. And here he defines the terms. It turns out it isn't uh, the, the type of love like we have for a stuffed animal. I just love Teddy Ruxpin. Look it up. I just love said sports team, and they're tough to love, sports teams. I just love book, hairstyle, dress, favorite meal, rainy day, sunny. I just love those new songs. I just love those things. But, but this love is more significant than all of those things. His love is the most costly love there is, and, and he paid for it. We love because he first loved us, and not merely with a status update, but by laying down his life while we were sinners, while we were his enemy, he loved us to the point of death so that we might find in him life abundantly. So what we see here is he's going away, and the disciples are confused, and they're trying to piece together the nature of relationship. And what we see is when love defines the relationship, a few things happen. And the first thing is this. Love shows up in action. Right? Love shows up in action. Let's read, I want to hop around a little bit, starting in verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And remember, that he's not just writing pithy statements on coffee mugs. These are in context of something that's happening. It's just so easy to, to extract that and be like, okay, there it is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Then we, we hop down to verse 21. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, hearers, doers, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. It means I'll show up to him. And this guy, it's so funny, Judas, but it's not Iscariot. It's like, gosh, even in the first century, like, he just had a bad name. Like, Jewish, but not the bad guy, right? Don't worry. Uh, Judas, not Iscariot, not the traitor guy, right? Another guy. He said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus is like, I'm not going to answer that. I'm just going to keep talking and saying what I was saying. This is what he does. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Significant presence. Move into our neighborhood and dwell among us. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. The world outside, they don't know me. They're not trying to walk with me, and they won't. And the, world that, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Man, see, what he's saying is, is love isn't something that happens in theory. And there's lots of weird lines, but what he's saying is love shows up in action. It's not something that's, that's merely a, a theory, and that's true from a parent to a kid. You can say that you love them all day long, and, and what does it look like when you actually live a life with them? It's true from a spouse to a spouse. You can say that you love them all day. What does it look like uh, among siblings? You can say, ah, oh, I love my brother or love my sister. What does it look like for you to live life together among friends? Hey, we're BFFs. See, we have the necklace. What does it look like when you live life together? Is, is love on display? It's, it's true from Christ to a Christian, and it's true from, from those who call themselves Christians back to Christ. Here's the, the gist. Words are important. By the way, this first point, infinitely longer than the second two, right? Words are important. It's why at every wedding, you see something like, like this. It, it, it spotlights a verbal commitment to one another. Vows, we call them. And when I'm going to marry when I'm going to officiate the wedding of someone, the, the first, one of the first things I say in the like, hey, what is your wedding going to look like? It's, you're going to have traditional vows or you like writing your own and, and whatever. Let me read something. Maybe you've heard this before. This is from the Book of Common Prayer by Thomas Cranmer. He says this, I blank take the blank to be my wedded husband slash wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, cherish, and to obey till death us depart, according to God's holy ordinance. You know what's crazy? That was written in 1549. And that's still what we would call a traditional vow and I bet if you go to one or two or five or ten weddings this spring and summer and fall, I bet most of them will say those nearly exact words. Why? Well, imagine a spouse that neither has nor holds, that, that bails when worse, poor, and sick moves into the home. On the front end, as in human relationship goes, the commitment is the, the defining of the relationship. The status of it is we know that this is not going to be easy. We know that it's going to be a journey. And right now it feels really good and, and it's airy and maybe Valentine's love. And, and that's not always true on wedding days. But, but so there's this commitment that's saying, I know it's not always going to be like this, but when tough comes, I'm not going anywhere. Words are important, but actions do often speak louder than words. That doesn't diminish words or intentions or commitments or motives. It just means that words are validated by the actions that they declare. That's exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples and us. If you love me, you will obey me. Jesus does not say, if we obey him, he will love us. Get it right. That's not the foundation of your relationship. It's not on your obedience. And if so, you have no hope. I'll read a, a line. Man, if, if you don't have a just a decent study Bible. Talk to me. I would love to point you in the direction to get one. I, I just want to read. This is just a, a study note from the Gospel Transformation Study Bible on, on verse 15. It goes like this. It says, The gospel turns everything right side up. We can do nothing to earn or maintain relationship with God. Our obedience merits us nothing. 
I hope that you know that's true. But our obedience is an essential affirmation of our love for Jesus. It is by Jesus' obedience that we are saved. And it is by our obedience, compelled by love for Christ, that we express our gratitude for so great a salvation. If you love me, obey me. See, love is made visible through action. It's not mere lip service or as we read in the scriptures, they, they honored me with their mouths, but their hearts were far from me. You can say the things all day long. And you know that that doesn't mean anything if it's not, not followed through on or followed through with. We, it, it's not mere lip service which can't stand up to its vows, but, but love me, obey me. This is the invitation from Jesus is what? Follow me. Follow me. And we get to spend all of our lives figuring out what does it look like to follow this Jewish carpenter. What does it look like? <clears throat> look, I, I know it's difficult to submit to authority. In fact, if you're scrolling, okay, if I'm scrolling and it's reels or TikTok or stories or whatever they are, just so you know, if it says, if you hear that woman's voice say, watch till the end on the very beginning, <laughs> one thing is true, I will not. If in the, the little description it says, watch till the end, yeah, I will not watch till the end. I, I, in fact, I probably won't even, I, it's gone, right? I'm just swiping. That says something of me. It says two things. One, TikTok is not your authority. If you do that, that doesn't mean that you're, you're bumping authority because you need to define your relationship with TikTok. Most people are wing-dingy and say all kinds of whatever, Right? It's fine. But that also says something about me when it's like, watch till the end. Nope. Not doing what you tell me to do. If you were compelling enough, I would have watched till the end, but not when you start things off like this. That's a window into my heart, for real, that says like, ugh, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> oh, gosh. I need a couch and just sit down. Have a chat. I get what's going on here. Uh, it's important to define our relationship the way it actually is with the Lord. And here's the reality. We and the Lord were not equals. So submitting to him, like in order to obey him, you're thinking, I'm, I'm not a child. I will obey no one. And I would say, okay. But you and the Lord are not equals. And if you thought that you were, you are sadly mistaken. We get to acknowledge him, separate, far and away, ultimately righteous, perfect in love, perfect in grace, justice, all the things, us, dust of the ground, given life by his breath. If you, if you start there, that is a really good place to start in fact. Maybe a good place to begin your journey with Jesus. And maybe it's like, it's been like a winding road with him. And you're like, I don't even know where we are today. Like the, the things I've done and what I see him do, I don't even know. Or maybe you've never interacted with him in a way that, that would allow yourself to say, okay, so you're telling me this is what it means to follow Jesus. I have to figure out what, what this is saying. A good place to start, no matter where you are, would, would be to say this. You're God, and it turns out that I'm not. <sighs> Breathe deep. Because if that's true, then your life will change forever. And you get to say words that make you feel really uncomfortable in this life, like, I surrender. If God is God and you're not, then you get to say to him, I, I surrender. I will follow you. I will follow you wherever you lead me. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm, I'm willing to join you on the journey. I, I will follow you where you lead me. Wherever you lead me is good, even when it's hard. 
You loved me when I was against you. You died when I should have. And because you did that for me, because, you lo- because your love showed up in action first, I will, I will live all of my days with you. So our relationship doesn't begin with, with my action. Our relationship with God does not begin with you. It doesn't begin with your action, but, but his love and his love conforms your every motive, every thought, every breath, every word, every action, henceforth, so long as we live on this earth. What's more, the sweet beauty of a life in Christ, and you're thinking, okay, authority, he's God, I'm not, submission, oh gosh, like, like I, I'm set up to like have this, terrible life, just doing whatever he says. It's fine, Lord, but that's not it because in him we have the fullness of life, life abundantly, so the sweet beauty of life in Christ. It isn't this dutiful obedience, but it's delightful, joy-filled obedience. Like David says, I delight in your statutes. I delight in your law. And you say, how could someone How could someone do that? See, obedience, it shows up in the hands, but it it always flows from the heart that's transformed by grace. Our hearts are changed, not to fight against him, but to know that his ways are the ways that lead us to life. But we can't obey if we don't love, and we can't love if we don't obey, and we can't obey if we don't know the way. I read this this week in a book called Gather, Loving Your Church. This is a basic but important truth. For Scripture to change you, you need to understand it. The Bible is not a magic book where if we rub it the right way or sit in a room with it open at the front, it will change us. No, we become more like Jesus as we think, as we understand the word of Christ and allow it to have its transforming impact on us. That means it takes work to know him. It takes work. We become more like Jesus as we think, as we understand the word of Christ and allow it to have its transforming impact on us. There are going to be two slides in just a minute, and I'm going to speak pretty quickly through the first one. In the second one, I'm going to speak not at all, but if you're like taking notes, take a picture of those or whatever, because I think they're helpful. Well, so how do we do the work to know him? How do we do the work to know the Lord? How do I make this book come to life to me, all right? And so I'm going to give you just kind of five real quick things, just observations about my life and the way that we interact. How, how do we become changed by the word one? raking. You spend time reading the the span of scripture, and it might look like just raking your yard. It's not like super intensive, but you might find like, oh, that that garden gnome's hat. You might find that while you're like, oh, I didn't even know it was missing, but look, there's the garden gnome's hat. I'll put it back where it belongs, right? It's like what I'm doing. uh, I'm listening to McShane ESV daily Bible reading each day. It's the Bible in a year. I'm not opening this book and reading the Bible in a year. I'm listening to it. I drop a kid off at school. By the time I get to the office, I've done that. That's raking. It's just the whole span of Scripture. It's like I'm, I'm taking it in, right? And that's a, that's a way to interact with the Bible. The second thing would be mining. That's deep diving. That's, that's diving in and saying, what is actually happening here? Or saying, I've heard this word before, and I'm not sure what I think about it, like, you know, somebody told me that the word predestinations in the Bible, like I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And so like you dig around, and you say, what does, what does all of the Bible, and that's what we call systematic theology. But you don't have to know that. It's like deep diving to figure out stuff. But it's not just that we read it, but we process it. We have to read it. We're exposed to it. We hear it, but we don't want to just be hearers only. We need to know what it says. And so you bring others into that dialogue. Uh, most of, uh, many of us are part of community groups where we come together, mind meets here tonight, and we'll show up and we'll talk about this text. And I'll learn stuff, and I wish 
that I had sat in community group first and then preached afterwards because they have more wisdom than I have. Processing, dialogue, growth, what does this mean for me? Number four, reflecting. Maybe you're a journaler. I'm not, but I'm trying to be in some really small ways. Prayer, open the book, read, invite God into it, meditate, not in some weird way, just thoughtful, silent consideration. And all that's for naught if we don't let it confront the way that we live. Let it change the way that you live. Obedience, change, action because of the truths in the book. Next slide. These are just some things that help when you're reading something, maybe some questions. What, what did I learn about God in this morning Bible time? What did I learn about the human condition? What did I learn about me? What did I learn about my need for grace? What is God through this word calling me to do? And how can I only do that through the obedience of Christ? Not just me and willpower. So all that to say, this is the goal that we might know, trust, treasure, the fullness of God above all. And if you do that, then we're on our way to delightful obedience. Even when things seem uncertain, love still defines our relationship with Jesus. That's point one. Gosh, we're in a sad state. Need an intermission? Just me? Okay. Love shows up in presence. That's the second thing. I want to hop around a, a, a bit in this text, starting in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The word is advocate, someone who's for you. Same word that that Eve got bestowed upon her as, as the advocate, helper, one coming alongside uh, Adam in Genesis, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. See, it's the heart of what he's saying. Can you imagine the context in which you would tell somebody that? I'm not leaving you. I'm not going away. I'm not forsaking you. You're not an orphan. You're mine. And I'm going to be with you forever. And even when you see me walk out this door, no, no, I'm going to the Father, and I'm sending someone to be near to you who's also the fullness of God. I'm not going anywhere. It's just going to look a little different. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am my Father and you in me. I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Again, it's just so love that's the glue that holds the, the, the identity of Jesus who's also the Father, who's also the helper, the spirit of truth. It's triune, trinity, doctrine, all fully God, distinct in role and function, yet all of them the fullness of God. He goes on in verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Why is he telling them this? See, he must complete the mission. He, he understood the assignment of, of why he's been sent, and it's to die and depart, and he knows that that's happening soon. He will die and depart soon. He's invested in them. He's setting them up so that when he leaves, they know that he loves them, that he has given them all that they need, and God is still near even when Jesus can't be seen. The most impressive thing about God and us is this. It's, it's that God is near. I forget. I forget. And yet he's telling them literally, I'm telling you this so that you don't forget. 
I forget that he's near. And I think that as I do this thing that I call life, that I'm on my own, in difficult conversations, difficult thoughts, difficult uh, the difficulty of life, I think that I'm doing it by myself, but he is near, he's present, he's not forsaking, he's not bailing, he's not bouncing. And, and why does he tell them this? To encourage them to know that they're not alone, that they're not orphans. He's saying, I will be with you forever. Why else is he telling, telling, them, telling them this? Because he's telling them that they're going to be equipped Equipped for the mission. Our mission is impossible. But, but what do we know to be true? With God, all things are possible. Even delightful obedience. Possible because he's near. He says the Father will send him it's the nature of God. He, he sends, he sends Jesus to rescue the spirit, to equip the church, to proclaim the rescue, to invite people into this kingdom, for us to put on display as the church the, the, the future invisible glory of God through his people forever. He says, the Father will send in my name to teach you and to bring remembrance of all the truth that, that I've said to you. The Spirit will remind you of the truth that you wrestle with through this book. See, obedience is forged in the fires of grace. And what he's saying is, is the blacksmith is the spirit of truth. And that changes two things. It changes, it, it does work in us that I know that God is present, that God is near always, that, that we're not on our own, that, that he is our comfort and he's our reminder and he's our advocate, he's our co-worker. And it does work through us that we get to love through our presence, that, that we get, uh, that, that this takes effort. This week, I, you know, we dropped off a meal for somebody who, recently had a baby and and they were like it's been just a gift for people to bring meals it's been so helpful for us that's how we get to make our presence known the presence of god known in a community by bringing somebody a meal you know what happened 40 minutes ago i was sitting right here and my wife said hey can i pray for you because I was clearly distracted. And she prayed words that built me up, that reminded me that God is near. When we're mindful that God is present in us, that shows up in us, but it also shows up through us, that we get to be mindful wherever we are, that God would delight for us to be present in a way that puts his presence on display. Thanks for that, Kim. <clears throat> the last thing is this, love departs with peace. I'm not going to read this. Yeah, I will. I'll read it. Verse 27, peace I leave you with, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. He said, I'm going away and if you, if you knew me, then, then you'd be excited that I'm leaving. And they're like, no, we're not. He says, I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Lots of stuff in there. See that there's equality and there's lots of heresy that comes from passages like this, but there's no more, uh, no better place than the gospel of John that tells us that Jesus is in fact equal with the Father, but their roles look different at times, right? <clears throat> he says, now I've told you before it, it takes place so that when it does take place, when I leave you, that you may believe and I will no longer 
talk much with you. This is like goodbye. This is the end. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Rest assured, I'm good. I'm right where I need to be. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. I think he said, let's go to Taco Bell. They're open late. Right? Maybe he didn't say that. I don't know. Love departs in peace. There's this guy. His name's Mario. Some of you know he's around town. He hangs out at the Unsung Salvage uh, Company down that way, right? And, and if you know Mario, then, then if you've ever interacted with him, then there's one thing that I know for sure is that you will depart from him with peace, right? Because every time he says, uh, uh, peace be with you, brother. Peace be with you, sister. Every single time when you're like, man, that's, you just don't hear that much. But it's super ancient and historic, like, he, he's, he's uh, doing something that the church has done for a long, long time. Like, go in peace, brother, which is kind of a sweet thing. Peace be with you. Here's the thing. Humans, what? They, they want what they want. Did you know that? The disciples, they're being tempted to want what they want. And what they want is Jesus near to, to set up his kingdom on earth, where they might get a slice of the throne. And, and he's been in front of them the whole time, and, and, and they've known what's going on, and, and, and they're circumstantially safe if God is literally sitting next to them at, at dinner. So long as things continue to, to trend like they are, there'll be something. But without Jesus, they'll go back to being nothing. In Christ, we get to be nobodies. That's okay. See, he contrasts peace according to the world, and, and he says it's, it's, it's kind of getting what we want on our terms. The, the peace from the world, I, I think, is, is peace through circumstance. But I would challenge that. Like, how often does anyone get what we want as we want, and it actually deliver to satisfy as we hoped that it would? It just doesn't. You want something your whole life and you get it and you have it for a week and you're like, this thing drives me nuts. This thing fails me. Bengals, Super Bowl, blah, blah, yeah. See, Jesus encourages with with words of comfort, and he says, I've loved you, and I've shown you the way, walk in it, and, and live free from worry. The, the word peace is harmony, tranquility. It's this Old Testament concept of shalom. It's like all-encompassing, welfare, health, freedom from worry. See, Jesus sets our hearts on circumstances with different eyes. If we know the outcome and we fix our gaze on the end, amid the high and amid the low of the meantime, then these emotional swings of life, of the here and now, they're tempered by the unshakable promise of what's true and what is to come. The simplest way, go back to a sports analogy or a movie analogy. If you've seen the movie and you know how it ends, then you have that really difficult tension that you know is coming and it makes you feel uncomfortable even to watch the person that you're like rooting for get, get harmed in the movie and you're like, ah, oh. but if you know how it ends, whatever, and like for real, and I know some people don't care about sports, but if you do and you get like emotionally invested, if you know the final score and you watch anyway, I know I've said this before, but, but when Joe Burrow throws a third quarter interception and you would normally otherwise just be ruined, like, no, <laughs> depleted. I can't. I can't love this thing anymore. But when you know the end, it's just like, oh, man, they don't even know what's coming, but I do. I'm telling you, life will be hard no matter what. But what Jesus is doing is telling us to set our gaze on the end of days. Know that we win. Know that all of this, all the pain, all the tears, it fades away. You've got to know that in the moment you feel the pain, you shed the tears. But in the end, gosh, those lows, they can't be as low as they would otherwise because you know how it ends. And he invites us into this peace. Peace I leave you with. Peace I give you. 
Man, back to that bird. The band can come up. That are you my mother bird. Even when she wasn't there, the bird knew that he had a mother and he wasn't satisfied till he found her. And look, I'm not positive, I'm not sure, but I think the reason that the bird searched for his mother is because he knew that if he was able to define that relationship, that he would find the one who loves him in a way that no one else could, without condition, through his faults, despite his failures, whether he succeeded in all of his bird goals or not, whether he was the early bird who got the worm or he, he slept in and he lost his job, his mom would love him. Not the kitten, not the hen, not the boat, but his mom. That's what he was searching for. And look, that's what we're all searching for. And it's not your mom, it's Jesus. That's what he's telling us here. He's telling us that that in Christ, our relationship with God is defined in an even greater way, that he loves us, that he is near, and in him we find the most satisfying peace the world has ever known. So what we get to do today is, is rejoice today, responding to this love, obeying delightfully, and we get to live in peace today and forever. I haven't preached for a couple of weeks Sorry, I said all the things. We get to respond. You can sit right where you are. Just think. You can stand up and worship with this band. You can go over to that prayer bench by yourself. You can go pray with someone by that red tree back there. They would love to pray with you about anything. For those who are in Christ, we get to respond by taking communion, which is something that Jesus says, do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. It's a, de- a public declaration together of the family that we're a part of. And we take the, the juice and the bread, and it, and it reminds us of the blood that was spilled for us. Jesus is not ours. And his body that was broken for us, Jesus is not ours. We do this in remembrance and in declaration of the good news of who Jesus is, the peace that he brought, eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for... Thanks for your goodness and your grace. Thanks that you show us the way. Today, would you do work, Holy Spirit? Would you be near? Would you comfort through tears and hardship? Would you, would you, would you let us celebrate with you and all of the joys of life? Would you put before us our eternal hope? Would you let us live each day in the peace and the assurance that you give us in Jesus' name? Amen.